Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast, a resource for inspiration and encouragement while you're on your path to purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is hosted by Wakia Hayward, that's me, and Barbara Wade, two middle-aged sisters who are passionate about having honest, open conversations with each other and special guests about faith, transparency, and living a life of purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is rooted in the Christian faith, and we believe that we are all made for a reason and with intention. However, it's up to us to pursue our purpose. By exploring the four foundational pillars of DARE, which are decisions, actions, results, and evaluations, we're hoping that women will be motivated to actively pursue their own purpose journeys. Join us as we learn together that it's never too late to be great. Alrighty. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast. My name is Wakia Hayward, and I'm your host today. Um, I am super duper excited because today we have another special guest, and her name is Stephanie Josiah. Right. So, Stephanie, yes. let's let's talk about her. Yay! Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having <laughs> me. You're welcome. We're, we're, like, I'm so happy you're here. Um, so I just want to tell the ladies a little bit about you. So Stephanie is a wife, a mom, a self-published author, author of several, several books. Um, she's a spoken word artist, a graduate of University of Baltimore. And now she's back in school, furthering her calling towards nursing. And she is the owner of two businesses. Woo, child, you're busy. Yes. A busy child. <laughs> Um, what is it? Steffi uh, J Creations Inc. and Inc. Babies LLC. So yes. listen, welcome, welcome, welcome so much to the show. I'm so, so, so excited you're here. Um, yeah, welcome. Thank so, ma'am, ma'am, yes. tell us. <laughs> so look, that was your little overview, right? That's like a little high level thing that, you know, your little elevator skill, but you know, obviously the ladies here, we always want to know like the real you, like, so tell us about yourself. All right. So the real me, <laughs> um, I just come from a background where a lot of what went on in the home wasn't spoken about. And Ooh, child, you're going to go in deep like that. That's what we're going to start, Stephanie. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I got started in the beginning. You know? Ooh, the beginning. child. Okay. Okay, let's go. Let's start there. Okay, go ahead. I'm listening. I mean, because it's still stuff that impacts now. And it, and I believe that growing up in that way where it was kind of taboo to discuss things like counseling and depression and anxiety and family dynamics. I mean, uh, I just basically was taught that you have to learn better coping skills in order to mm. deal with those kinds of things. And because a lot of things lay unresolved, it just, it pushed me into creative writing. It pushed me into primarily poetry initially. Mm -hmm. And so everything was about just bleeding that pain out onto a, a book or a journal or whatever I could write. I'd scribble my notes, you know, in my books and stuff when I'm supposed to be paying attention in, in school. And it just came out of a place of needing to have 
my voice heard. Mm. And so that's where a lot of the love for poetry came from. And, and then it turned into storytelling and it turned, it just progressed from there. But the origin was making it known that um, I guess my voice needed to be validated by someone and the pages did it for me. And so now flash forward, that's a lot of what those two businesses are about. It, one of them is a nonprofit. And that is because I really want you to know that their voices matter and what they have to say matters. And I don't want them to shut down. I don't want them to retreat. I don't want them to feel that weight of despair. I want them to know that they count and that there's hope. And so that's where I'm doing creative writing workshops with them to get them to pour that stuff out onto the page, get it out of you, get it out of you, shine light on it and, and let's heal. Let's, let's talk about how we can move forward and how what you've produced, it's art. And it's not only art, but it's something that can help other people. Yes, yes. So when you was like younger, did someone like sort of help you get there? Or is that, that so was that just like your outlet? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, sometimes you could have that could be your outlet, but that's because somebody's like helping to tell you like, this is something you can do. Like, this is another way you can get around it. How did that even come about? It was an outlet for me. I remember that my grandmother, Teresa, before she passed away, we used to sit at the table, the dining room table, and we would scribble. <laughs> we would just draw like a bunch of different things. And we would talk about my feelings and she would talk about her feelings. And I guess that's just something that always kind of stuck with me even after she passed. And I didn't have her for a lot of years. I think I had her for as many as four years in my life, but it stuck with me that, that art was a way to relate to people and to tap into feelings. So definitely an outlet. And I think she probably sparked all of it. And you've been able to sort of keep that outlet going, like as you, because I can understand doing it as a child, but when you got to become an adult, like most adults, like my first thought is when something happens, my first thought isn't to stop and scribble. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, how do you get to that place of like, was it something you've always did or did you stop it and then something happened and you picked it back up again and you realize like, wow, this is really a thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was something that I had stopped for a little while. I think what happens is something will will trigger you to need that outlet again. Yeah. And the deepest thing that happened for me that uh, I went through a very high risk pregnancy uh, with my twin boys and I started writing while I was on hospitalized bed rest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it kind of kept me sane because initially I was just scratching off you know how in prison people yes man like Shawshank you Shawshank with Shawshank Redemption girl <laughs> you scratch and they do like, <laughs> like I, I need to get up I've met with some of the nurses I, I think there was a group of people that came in to check on me one time and they were like we're here to learn more about your your psychosocial needs I said well can you break me the heck out of here <laughs> 
know that's right. I know that's right. Like, can I see other people? Can you at least wheel me out into an atrium and let me talk with other pregnant women who are frumpy and unhappy and stuck? (laughs) Oh my goodness, honey. Oh my goodness. Yes, child. Yes. He was just straight Shawshank at the the hospital. Absolutely. Oh, I joked about, uh, I told them that I was joking afterwards because I didn't want them to put me on like high alert. But I was like, <laughs> ready to tie the bed sheets together and climb out yes, of it. Honey. So yeah, yes. it, it definitely sparked something there. And then in getting through that pregnancy, like uh, with all the odds against us saying, you know, one twin was smaller you know, twin to twin transfusion syndrome, the odds are not good for either twin because there's an imbalance and all this stuff, like all these numbers were thrown at me, all this doubt. Um, And it just really, it, it forced me to rely on that mechanism that even if I'm not able to scream out loud what I feel, and you have to be nice because, I mean, these people are taking care of you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. At least I can write down those emotions and <laughs> let it get as ugly as it needs to get. I just remember there was one poem that I wrote and it was about city dogs. And I kept, I could smell, I don't know how I could smell it, but I could smell this hot dog stand outside the directly across from where the hospital was. And I'm like, why am I focusing on hot dogs? <laughs> why? Why is that important to me? But it's just weird. It's weird where the mind will go when yes. you remove certain stimuli. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? So you were in the hospital. So you started writing, you start finding this outlet and it blossomed. Is that where the is that where the businesses came from, or when did you know that this was an actual thing that you could one, um, one use it as a nonprofit, right, to sort of help other people? You know, when did you know you could use it to help other people grow? Mm. So I knew that it could help other people grow when I started realizing that other people needed to know that God is still in the business of miracles. Of course, yes. at the time, my miracle was looking like hey, all the odds were against us, but he said we'd have two and we had two boys make it. And so I was kind of riding high off of that. Like, yeah, let me start doing some public speaking and sharing with people. And I really felt it tugging on my heart. Like, God is good. You guys got to know this. Like he's still, he's still doing all these amazing, amazing things. Let me tell you about my sons, how they're here, how the oldest twin, even though he can't speak he can't walk he can't he can't play like his siblings and everything he has all of this stuff going on but his eyes light up the room he's joyous <laughs> he laughs i can play with him and i tried to to let others know that even like to them they're looking at him and they're saying that somebody is broken mm-hmm. but to me i'm looking like this person is making me whole right and like, that's your miracle. Like you look at him like that's your miracle. <laughs> like, that's proof. That's proof God is alive. You know what I'm saying? That's proof. Exactly. Wow. So I I started speaking. I started sharing the testimony of how they made it. And it wasn't long after I believed that I shared my testimony with a radio station. And then it was like after that, God called him home. 
oh. and I got quiet for a while like that yes. that shut me down because I thought to myself like man I be- like I believe you God for for anything like I'm somebody that that has heard from you and somebody that has prayed to you and has seen you show off and do all these amazing things like I'm your girl, like, (laughs) and I know I said, I wouldn't complain if you at least gave me a day with him and you gave me three years and three months. That's, I mean, that's a miracle, but why the miracle have to change? Why did have, why did healing have to look like that? Him being taken from me. I get it. He's whole. I get it. He's happy, but he's running now and I can't see it. And he's, and he's laughing and he's talking and he's playing with things and I can't see it. And I just like, it just shut me down. And I stopped sharing. I stopped, I stopped writing a lot of stuff. I just, I just felt pain. And I just felt uh, every time that they sing that, that worship song, you know, that he's never failed me yet. No, he's never failed Ooh, me child. yet. Like, oh um, child, you can't even sing it. You can't even sing it. You can't even sing it. <laughs> Sing it in truth. You can't yeah. sing it in truth. You know what I'm saying? Because you like, mm, mm, <laughs> I don't know, and I don't want to lie. So no. I'm go home. I'm just go home. Just lick you know my hands. <laughs> Everybody's hands are raised. I had to put my hands yeah. down for that part. Like, no, I don't feel that. I do feel failed, and I get it that that's not what it is, but it, the feeling is still there. Oh, that is so real. That is so, and you know what? Honestly, it just be it. It is. It takes courage to admit that in a in a Christian culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, girl, to admit that in a Christian world, to say that mm, I don't know. I know he said that. You know he got me, but I'm feeling like he got me. You know, what I'm like seriously, like you know, because I think if we were be the if we was to be honest, I think we have all felt that way in some shape, fashion, form. Like, I felt that way. And mm-hmm. you just like, mm. and, it, and it sort of shakes everything, right? It almost, it gets to the point where you could trust them, but you you can only trust them a little bit. You know what I mean? You can't trust yeah. them with the heavy stuff. So yeah. it gets, it gets hard. It gets hard. And it's definitely one of those moments, in my opinion, where it's like a, like a faith shaker. You know what I'm saying? Because it's one thing to get something that you didn't pray and believe for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it does. I think what it is, is it's not just a feeling of betrayal, but it's also a feeling of isolation because then you don't know who to take that feeling to. Exactly. Exactly. Cause yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Just to even admit that in a Christian culture is, is, is brave. That's what bravery looks like ladies. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's, it's hard work. Like seriously, it's hard work. Like I have literally gone and said that to like different pastors, like, mm, Mm, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm studying that part. Like uh, he's still dealing with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I'm a work <laughs> in progress. <laughs> and then they give you the platitudes, like, "Girl, no, you know, God knows what's best." You're like, mm, "I'm yeah, sure you do." They kill me with yes! that because yes! he has options. He is God. He could do whatever he wants to do. Yes! Because then it gets to the point where it gets to the point, and this is where I this is where I found myself, and 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 thank God I'm not there now. But I, I definitely remember feeling like this, like saying, "Well, 
it's not that I don't believe that he can't do it. I believe he can do all things. Mm -hmm. It's never, it's never a question of whether or not he has the ability. The question now comes in, will he do it for me? You see what I'm saying? Like that is the question. Yeah. Or this has never been a question about his ability. Yeah. It's not, it's no longer about his ability and it's no longer a question of his goodness. You just wonder if that goodness is aimed toward you. Exactly. Girl, you better preach, honey. What? <laughs> when I tell you, but you know what though? This right here is real talk. And I think this is the kind of stuff, you know, that like I said, to even be able to share this with Christians, because you know, you want to share it because you, but then the fact that you can't share it, it goes, it, it brings back your whole isolation thing, right? Because you don't want to just take it to somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God. Uh, because you know in your heart you need that relationship you know in your heart the only thing holding you up right now is that relationship mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and you still got another little boy that you're responsible for that you still gotta love you still gotta nurture and you still gotta grow you know what i'm saying and mm-hmm. so you can't just pretend like he didn't bless you like the blessing is still in play oh yeah and the ha- and i have my two girls perfectly healthy and everything so oh. i know a lot of people are like how can you complain but it's possible to complain and be blessed <laughs> it's totally possible like why do you act it's not possible you know what i'm saying like it kills me like so i can't be a little upset about this and happy to like i can totally be yeah no people don't understand that both and it's a lot of society says it's either or but for me it's like i'm joy and pain i'm not entirely broken i'm not entirely whole and that's okay it doesn't mean that my faith is less. It doesn't mean that my walk is less or my worth is less. And I think a lot of people, they want those all this or all that. They want to be able to put you in a box so they know what to expect from you. Yes. Yes. And I think that to me is where, um, you know, why, why I feel like some people can't get into Christianity in places, right? Because it doesn't give you that. It doesn't allow you to be human. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't allow you to be human. And I think that I definitely can say today, I would say at least in old Christian circles, I think today it is a lot more um, realistic and a lot more prevalent to just be human in that space and understand that there is a, uh, that coin has joy and sorrow on it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not just one or the other. So your, your son passes on and you still have your, you have your other son. Did you already have your girls at that time or? Mm-hmm. Yes, my girls are older. Girls. Okay. So then what happens next? Like what, what, how do you go about building your faith and how do you go about, you know, becoming the person you are today? And then I guess the, I'm sorry, I know I'm asking a lot of questions because it's a lot of information. <laughs> but then I guess how long ago was this? I'm just trying to understand the, the timeline. So he passed away October 15th, 2012. Okay. And I don't think initially I was looking at the whole healing. I was just kind Mm -hmm. of making sure that I took care of everything that needed to be taken care of. I mean, even at his funeral, I was comforting others. (laughs) Like, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to like, Oh my goodness. (laughs) And and there were things that that really messed me up about that whole experience and I didn't kind of let it set in so it kind of trickled in later and that's mm. when the writing started to come 
I think the writing started to come back when I started to look at things and remember things. And, and then I would just, I would write a poem about that experience. I, I have a poem that's not only really real, but really graphic. And it talks about how I really knew him to the point where I knew, I knew his insides. I knew his juices. Mm. I could remember the juices that came out of him when I tried to do CPR and rescue breathing. And it just, like, it's not anything that you ever forget, but the only way that you can move forward for me is to find a way to express it mm-hmm. and maybe try to make it beautiful at the same time so that it it still has purpose, even though for me, like I can give people the words of encouragement. It doesn't mean that I'm always encouraged. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Wow. That is so good. That is so good. So when you was so you found a way to actually use that experience, his his life and his and, and what he meant to you, like that that period, that three year period, that 36 mm-hmm. month period. Well, I guess it was more like 40 months. Um, period that he was here you found a way to use that and then use that to bless other people right to help other people um you know channel their hurt to a different place because you know I think it's it's also important to realize how much you know that you it's different when you've experienced the hurt you know what I'm saying yeah it's like you know we all like psalms because we could feel all David's and stuff pain when we read it <laughs> you know what I'm saying like we oh, get yeah. it <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, we get it. Like, we like, oh, it's rough in these streets. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that, just that, that experience, um, it's just amazing that she was able to channel it. Because you got to think, I'm sure there's a lot of people out here who have gone through something like that mm-hmm. and did not, and, and still haven't really talked about it. Right? I think it's like what you said initially, you, you first started saying, you know, your whole, your whole, um, creative writing experience started from just various things that nobody would talk about yeah so as you started to share this stuff and start to write and do these things so what happened next like what was those next steps for you oh well the next steps were writing and then compiling all of the stuff I I had written and published like self-published a book before I'd done one on the topic of church hurt, but I hadn't really done one on loss or anything like, I mean, I had experienced loss before, but Mm -hmm. what I did was I took all the poems and the journal entries and even some photos and I, and I put them together and I divided up the sections with the different stages of grief so that oh, wow. people would know that there's, it is a continuum. You don't always feel anger or you don't always have that, that moment where you're bargaining. Sometimes you feel everything at once. Sometimes you get ambushed by memories and you start crying. And I just, I want people to know that as, as I discovered that in the first few years after him passing away, I want others to know that it is normal to have that feeling, to have the, you know, a baby commercial comes on and you start crying and you're thinking like, why am I crying right now? It's that, Mm. that, that that's human. And that it, and it, it's really the only ways that I can connect to him 
now are through those memories and those triggers. So it's still meaningful and it, and it's not weird. And that's what I really want people to know is like, it's not, it's not something to be ashamed of that mm, you yeah. wear this grief. I think that's really interesting though, how you said that even with your triggers, the things that trigger you, the things that pull at your heart is now how you connect with him. Oh, I've been learning that in counseling. <laughs> okay, good job. Good job, ma'am. <laughs> Listen, I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, because, you know, and I, I guess, right, because it would be just the other, it would be the, you know, because what people would think is you would reflect on like some of the happy things and that's how you connected with him. But you're like, no, it's like that, it's that Huggies commercial that got you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's mm-hmm. the one, that's when you see him, that's when you feel him the most. You know what I'm saying? And then there are times where there will be a song that will play at. There was a song where, Ishi Poo is what we call them. His name was Ishmael Jr. He was up late one night, which was his kind of, his MO was to stay up late with me and just, I would talk trash to him and he would laugh. I don't know if he understood <laughs> it or not, but that was our thing. He was like my night owl. And I remember we heard Madonna coming on. Like, I think it was a commercial or something, Madonna. And the song was Little Prayer. Uh-huh. And I was like, let's rock out to that, Ishi. And I turned it on and I just recorded. I was bouncing him around. I was doing his range of motion exercises with his arms and wiggling his legs. And we were just, we were just having a blast, just acting a fool. Now, when I hear that song, I would say uh, I've gotten better. Like I can hang, I can deal when that song starts playing on the radio. But initially... Uh-huh initially that song wore me out when i'd hear it i'd start crying i start picturing like in my mind all of the movements like i haven't memorized Mm -hmm. in my head and i think what's helped now is when i hear the song if i want to dance to it like he's on my lap and move my arms like i'm still doing those range of motion exercises then i do if I want to hold, if I want to hold my hands across my chest and act like I'm holding him to my heart, then I do. And whatever it is that I need to do in that moment, I just do. So it sounds like you've given yourself room. You've given yourself room to be who you need to be in that in that moment. Like you've given yourself permission to be you. Exactly. Wow. Is that where you are now after the years of counseling or was you like that initially? You know what I'm saying? Like how, did, how long did it take you to get there? I would say that I didn't even really start getting halfway through the understanding of who I am now until we started, my husband and I, we were attending a grief group that our local church was offering. It's called Grief Share and they have... I think it's 13 sessions and we were like, let's just go ahead and try it out. And that was last winter, I believe something like last 2020. Yeah, that was 2020. Wow. So we started attending that. And I think we only missed two sessions because of colds or whatever, or me just not feeling up to it. But for the most part, we stuck it out. And that was one of the things when I talked about the ambush, that was one of the things that came out of that 
little nuggets of truth and also just the camaraderie of being in a group with people who know loss and who don't have those platitudes to offer by just keeping it real <laughs> they're just right right in exactly in their truth and it just something about that helped because before i felt like i had to be so strong to hold everybody together and it it just wasn't expressing the real and the healing just, comes when you start expressing the real and not everybody can go there with you but <laughs> as you'll find but as right. you as you do that there's there's healing in that i think it's so interesting to just to realize that you said this what you y'all started doing grief counseling in 2020 so at that point your your little one was already gone 8 years you know what I'm saying? So at this point, your other children have grown up. They're, you know, they've grown, they've grown. And you're like, you know, you, I'm sure you, you know, for them, they probably thought, you know, mommy was good and mommy was still present and mommy was still right here in play. And you was, but in truth, you know, you still had a lot of stuff that you had to, you were still working through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think they, there were, initial sessions that we did we as a family where the kids were there and it was mostly just to make sure that they were doing okay with the loss of their brother mm -hmm. but i think that there were times when the walls came down and they did see just how hurt i was and in fact i remember one time where i was i was looking at his little casts that they had made for him to do correction of the way his feet would turn in uh -huh. And uh, uh, honestly, truthfully, I was smelling them because I was hoping uh -huh. that I could recall the smell of uh -huh. what it smelled like. And I just broke down in tears. And I remember they saw that and they came into his room and they started piling his toys on me. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> they started taking all of his toys in the room and putting them in my arms and saying, it's okay here are his toys he's still here and i just sobbed <laughs> oh the best they are the best oh and i'm gonna just tell you like you was trying to smell that cast and trying to like get that scent back that does not sound weird to me like that makes perfect sense to me mm -hmm. you know um because you just want to hold on to any part right because it's almost like the world would go on like they didn't even exist and you're like that's not true exactly that's not true they were here they were here like they were here they took up a space they had this they you know they brought this light into the room they were here and you are not going to take this away from me mm -hmm. and you start snatching at anything you can get to find it you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. the fine proof that they were real you know i remember my husband my brother passed away um i don't know about eight years ago and um, for Christmas, not last Christmas, Christmas before, my husband had gotten me a, he had found some pictures of us together and he sent them to an artist and had the artist paint these pictures of this picture of us. Ooh. And when I tell you that when I got that, that picture for Christmas, like that painting for Christmas, all I could do was just sit on that floor and cry and say, he was real. Like mm -hmm. he was real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I did not imagine him. I did not imagine him. He was real. And this is proof that you knew he was real, too. And he was here. You know what I mean? It was like such a significant thing. So the fact that you um, were you know, doing what you need to do to try to still reconnect with him, that makes 
perfect sense to me. And I love, love, love your kids for realizing that you needed that in that space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just the absolute best, like the best. So, girl, it's like you're doing a good job with them babies. Because, listen, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, so, so now you're here. Like, you're here in this space now. And it's so funny, right? Because I remember when we first talked, um, I was thinking, wow, this is going to be such an interesting story and it's going to be so powerful for people to hear and for people to walk through. What, what I was not anticipating, though, was how relevant and how true it still is today. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. I am smart enough to understand that you don't just turn it off just because years go by, right? That's right. not where I am. I'm, I'm saying the fact that... Um, what I've learned so much about doing this podcast is how we as women, we do such a good job with pretending like everything is okay. Mm-hmm. And we can do it for years. Like years, like years, you know, 20, 30 years go by, we still pretending like everything is okay. Yeah. And I'm just so happy and so proud of you that you have found these this way. One, you was brave enough to say that you're, that you're not okay. And um, I love your husband for recognizing it as well and, and take and continue to walk with you through that journey. I'm sure he's going through it as well, mm-hmm. but he's not here to tell this story. So I'm going to have to lean on you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just to be able to say that, you know, y'all have still continued to hang on and continue to love each other and, and endure and build one another up in this space. And now you have used that experience to ensure that other people voices heard mm-hmm. right where we don't have to just pretend like everything is good yeah it's less lonely i hope that people will know that their feelings are shared with others it's less isolating <laughs> we are all going through some isolation these days yes yes in one way or another mm-hmm. <laughs> you know in one way or another and so now that you now that you're here and i know um one of the things that i did not share um in your when i when i did your intro was how you have the the magazines right you have the you have three magazines all three of the magazines um are you know no no submission fees which i thought was fantastic and so it's the pink ink review and that one is for little girls well for girls eight to 18 and then the blue review and that one is for little bo- for young boys well for boys uh eight to 18 and then um I thought it was another one ink babies right yeah, yeah ink baby. <laughs> right and I was like okay and so that one right there is for 18 and up yes so indeed. what type of things do, are are in these magazines like what is the um what are what is the cover like what are what is you know what I'm saying what are you what kind of things do you publish there So for the Pink Ink Review, it's been poetry, short story, artwork, and photography. And I don't really limit the girls to any particular topic. Thus far, a lot of them love horror stories and that tends to come up. (laughs) Killer clown or something, you know, whatever, whatever it is there's still some kind of truth to it. I find that what they're writing about in either the narrative or the poetry 
there is some kind of question that's under there about who they are or how they're dealing with something. Uh, the most recent review, the issue of Pink Ink Review that came out over the summer after we had our summer camp, the girls were talking about pandemic vibes. And <laughs> the, the apprehension, the anxiety, the boredom, missing parents, missing grandparents, whoever it is that they're separated from during all of this. And, and that came through. So I don't, you know, it's just a free range, whatever topic comes to mind. Um, I know that the upcoming issue for, for this summer that's fast approaching, I've gotten submissions that go even deeper than that, where I'm like, are, is this okay with your parents? <laughs> is this all right? Wow. And, I, and I want them to know when you do write stuff that's deep like this, I'm not gonna just say, well, thank you for your submission, it's going in, but I'm gonna follow up and make sure that, you're, that you've been seen about whatever this thing is that's happened. Because a lot of times when like if somebody had opened up my diary and read some things and taken concern, that would have been amazing. That might've helped me a lot growing up. And so when these girls or boys, now that we have the second review, the blue hue review coming out, when, when these girls and boys start, start talking about stuff that really delves into trauma and loss and confusion and betrayal and all those kinds of things, they need to know I'm going to follow up. I'm going to be community auntie. And we, we're right. going to <laughs> right. know that not only am I here to get you to elevate your voice, but that you also need to be tapped into resources that will help you heal. I, I can't stress that enough. Like it has to be no longer taboo for people to go yes. and seek counseling and seek guidance. And these kids, they need mentors. I see a lot of people that complain about, oh, the youth are doing this and doing that. And oh, never in my generation. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> my generation, <laughs> that was my generation just a few years ago. Now it's their generation. And, and the same things hold true that it's, it's, it's loss, it's, it's apprehension, it's fear, it's disappointment, and all of it going unresolved. It's lack of mentors, it's lack of direction, coaching, lack of healing. And those are the things that I want them to be able to connect to outside of just writing. Wow. Wow. So if someone was interested to like, how do you get your submissions? Like, how do people know? So they can either find me on social media because I'm on there as Ink Babies. I'm on there as Steffi J Creations. And I'm on there as myself, Stephanie Renee. And they can contact me either one of those ways. They can also call me. I have my, oh, I can give you my work number. Let me pull it up so I don't butcher it. Because sometimes I mix the numbers. I totally understand. 
this day and age you'd be hard pressed to find that i can memorize phone numbers anymore because the phone does it for you so yes yes ma'am it's 202 670-3152. They can call me. They'll get me. They won't get my secretary or anything like that. <laughs> it goes okay. They can ask questions about how to get involved with the youth creative writing workshops and the youth public speaking workshops and on all of that stuff. And if they have kids that are interested and don't know where to start, we we can show them how to self-publish so they can be published authors. We, I mean, we just basically are in the business of making sure that these kids know they have a future and a hope. Wow. Wow, I think that is just so amazing. I'm saying I think I wrote a lot too as a child. I definitely did wrote a lot of poetry. I wrote a lot of little, just little snippets of, you know, uh, I would start with truth and I would run fiction through it just in case somebody found it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, um, and <laughs> like, that's just my truth. Um, so to to have a space where you could submit and, and be able to share that, just so you could feel like one, like you sort of shed a light on it. And then two, where, you know, other people can connect, connect with you and you can feel like you're just not alone. Yeah is the com is building a community because Absolutely. like you said something about wishing that somebody would kind of stumble upon it i mm -hmm. think that's what a lot of us wish is that you know if you could just have one other person out there that stumbles upon what you've said and and can relate then then there's purpose in whatever you've gone through exactly because then you don't feel like it's you don't feel like one like like you've been singled out <laughs> and you don't feel weird you know what I'm saying like you don't feel as weird when you realize well wow okay well this is just a thing like this is something that people can go through and it's a thing and this is what healing looks like and this is what grief looks like and this is what and it's okay for me to feel those things in this moment it's okay yeah I don't have to pretend like it's not okay I don't have to put on this face and um act a certain way because it's uncomfortable for you it's okay for me to be me in this place and God sees me and he loves me anyway. Like that's, that's yeah. what the thing that I've learned, you know, in this, in my life at this point is that it doesn't really do me any good to lie to you because God already knows my truth. So I might as well go ahead and be honest. Like he knows, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I might as well just be truthful. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just easier, right? And then th that way you can sort of heal it out. But you know, if I'm thinking the, the, the wisdom that I have today, um, I can't even, you know, if I would have been able to go back to my 14, 15, 12 year old self and, and say, it's going to be okay. Just mm -hmm. talk about it. You know what I'm saying? All you mm -hmm. got to do is talk about it um, or, or they're going through something too. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause you know, usually you're sitting out, especially when you're a kid, you're looking at everybody else and everybody else is like they're doing just fine. Right. Until you realize that they also got a crazy mama. <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh huh <laughs> oh your mama crazy too even more you know? so even more so because these kids they have to go up against filters versus reality yes. social media yes. versus what's really going on not all these kids are happy but they're doing a good job presenting like they are 
And so that can make it feel like, man, why don't why don't I have it going on? Well, the truth right, is right. have it going on exactly. the want. Exactly. Like, and I think that to me, I think the fact that you are giving kids an opportunity to sort of share their voice and like you said, throughout all the through that writing, even if you're writing about something like Killer Clowns, there's something in, in that. You know what I'm saying? Like there's something, you you know, there's an issue there that we might there need to is. talk about. Clowns in and of itself is something that's right. bothering Right. The fact that you made that joke had sharp teeth is what we need to start talking about. You know what I'm saying? like this is a thing so I mean I think that the fact that you were giving kids um the opportunity to to sort of put that out there and then you're also following up and I got a feeling that as things go on right you will eventually start to have have this community of counselors and people like that who can you know who are ready to play you know to be in play for these kids and um because these kids become adults and part of that is that there is no expiration on whatever the trauma is or whatever. I, I started to take courses with um, stewards of children, darkness to light. And they talk about just recognizing signs that children are being abused. And a lot of it is sexual abuse or molestation or anything kind of of that nature. And it says, if you feel like there is that kind of thing going on, you report it. So I've connected with somebody that is an ambassador for that, or I guess an instructor for that. And so I can kind of team up with him. There are other people that is one of those things about me is I I try to be as resourceful as possible. And if I'm not trained in something I'm going to try and either get trained in it or find somebody that's already trained in it so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Be a one-stop shop. (laughs) If somebody's hurting and Stephanie can't handle it, we're going to contact whoever and get get them on the line. And also to know, like you were saying, that it's important to elevate the youth, but also those poems that you hoped somebody stumbled upon those feelings that you had that you didn't express, you, I'm, I'm saying specifically you, Wakia, <laughs> yeah, it's not too late to have those published because I also want adults to be heard. And that's what the Ink Babies magazine is about. That literary magazine is, is for all of us to express ourselves. Oh, wonderful. Super exciting, ma'am. Listen, I might have some stuff I need to send you, um, you know, so, you know, just to, uh, look, I don't know if I'm ready to have it under watch here, but we'll talk about that. I ain't gonna give my name away, just in case. No, I'm gonna um, yeah. What is it called? A pen name? A pseudo, a pseudo, yeah, I'm gonna have, to have something, honey. I'm gonna have, to have something. Now, I'm a girl at this point right now, you know, you know, at this point, I'm grown enough to go and tell the truth. So, you know, it is what it there is. There you but, go. Um, there you go. Um, you know, um, but okay, so I just, I feel like this right here has just been such a great, great, great conversation. So for the ladies out there who are listening, and this is your shot now to talk to them, what is that one thing you hope that they take away um, from this conversation? Like, what is that thing you hope they think about, you know, next week and the week after? I hope that they take away from this that there's really no healing in, in pretending and that 
if they are willing to find the right people to listen, find the right people that can be in the storm with you, but don't feel like you're alone because the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of people have become good actors on the stage and we don't need any more good actors on the stage. What we need is we need people who are healed and whole so that we can start breaking these walls down, start breaking these generational curses, start breaking these past traumas and, and just be whole, just be community, be love to one another. So as you stated so eloquently many times, just be real because that's yes. where the healing is. Amen, girl. I think that was, that is so, so good. Listen, I am so, so happy to have you on the show today. I mean, you have just really blessed me. Um, unfortunately, like I, you know, I told you offline, obviously Barbara wasn't able to be here with us today, but I know when she hears this, she is going to be kicking herself that she did not get a chance <laughs> to ask questions and, and to participate. I mean, no, you're really, <laughs> you know, but that's all right, ma'am. Listen, as you start to go along, we can always invite you back and you can come back and tell us what's happening next. Absolutely. Um, you know, I just, or tell I'm, them to call I'm, me I'm online. So <laughs> yes, honey. Yeah, look, look, you don't put your number out there. You know, you don't put your number out there. I'm going to have it in the comments. So that's what's going to happen. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, so yeah, but thank you so much again. And and it has just, just really been a blessing. Like, I am just overwhelmed at this point because I feel like you, you've just really been honest like there's it was so many stuff that we could have talked about that we did like we didn't even talk about church hurt so i might bring you back just to talk about church hurt, honey. <laughs> oh um, that's a whole other <laughs> thing <laughs> Listen, so look this thing ain't over like i'm gonna i'm gonna be adding you to my list like mm, i might want to talk about this later on i might have to bring her back like we might talk about that so um but yeah okay but yeah so thank you again um just an thank absolute you. blessing and i look so forward to hearing what you about to do next and um Peace and blessings to you and your family, ma'am. Keep it up. You too. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>